Thank you. That was beautiful. <coughs> I can't tell you what a pleasure it is for me to come to Honoka'a today. It's just, I'm a country girl, and I live right in the middle of the city. <laughs> and I hear sirens day in and day out, and I just long for the country. So it's a, it's a real pleasure for me to be able to come up into the mountain, and um, it's chilly. <laughs> I, I never thought I'd say I was cold in Hawaii, because actually I grew up in Massachusetts and New England, and it's cold in New England. <laughs> But uh, I'm actually uh, acclimated now to the place where I get chilly. Just a word about the uh, seminar. I am the trust officer for the Hawaii conference. And um, we're just going to talk for about 30 minutes at the most um, after our lunch today about why it is important for you to make an estate plan, why it's important for you to have a will. So it will not take long, and then if you have further questions that you want to talk about later on, you can give me a call at my office, and uh, we'll, we'll help you to get a will. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit more how to do that uh, when we do the, the seminar. Also, I, I want to commend you for your efforts to send some people to our Hand in Hand. As I'm also Children's Ministries Director, and... Um, we have a leadership training every year. This will be our fourth year to have the Hand-in-Hand -hand Leadership Seminar. We have people coming uh, who are, are um, gifted in the area of children's and youth ministries. And um, even if you don't have children yourself, there is a way to grow this, this church with children. So I hope that uh, it works out that we have someone come to our, our training weekend. We'll look forward to that. Once again, let's just bow our heads for a moment. Father, we again invite your presence here. I pray, Lord, that your wisdom will shine as we open your word today. And we thank you again, giving you the glory. Amen. Several years ago, a man came into my office. I was doing trust services in the West Virginia uh, Mountain View Conference. And this man <coughs> was quite um, stern, quite starched quite rigid and um, didn't smile and he said I want to give you some I want to I want to pay some money and um, so I said okay were you interested in having um, a specific thing done with your money no he said I just want to pay some money so I explained to him that he could have a charitable gift annuity maybe maybe he could want would want money for the rest of his life which is something that you can do with a charitable gift annuity. It's a contract that you buy. You put money into it, and according to your age, you get a percentage for the rest of your life. No, I want to pay some money. Okay, so I, I asked him um, again, is there any specific place you want the money? No, I want to pay some money. So he handed me a check, a cashier's check, for $100,000 took me back. As I said, he was very starched. He was very rigid. He just wanted to pay some money to God. Wanted to pay some money to God. So I took the money and uh, he left. He wanted no more discussion. I have no idea if his gift was a heartfelt gift. I have no idea what it was that he wanted to pay back unless for some reason he had 
felt guilt and had money and never given money to God? I don't know, and I never will know. Well, there was another man who was a very giving gentleman. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians. This man is the man of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, verses 6 and 7. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 7. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's a familiar verse to Seventh-day Adventists. Well, the man that I wanted to tell you about is from Hilo. Actually, I don't know if he was born in Hilo, but his name was Yozo Endo. And I think some of you folks know who Yozo Endo was. I never had the privilege of meeting him. He passed away before I moved to this island. <coughs> but Yozo Endo was a cheerful giver, wouldn't you say? Those of you who knew him, he was a cheerful giver. In fact, he used to visit the schools once in a while and um, kind of look around to see what the needs were in the school. And if there were needs, it wouldn't be long before those needs would be met. Yozo Endo, when he passed away, he left a very generous gift to the schools on the Big Island. A very generous gift. You can read about that if you have the copy of the recorder, uh, but I think if you knew him, or those of you who did know him, could share with one another about his generos generosity. Money, who needs it? We do need it for eating, don't we? We need it for paying the bills. We need it for gasoline in our car more than ever. It takes a lot to put that gas in the car. Well, why do we put so much emphasis on money? It must be important. You know, the two-thirds of Jesus' parables speak about money. There are 2,000 biblical references to money as compared to 500 in faith and 500 in uh, prayer references. So I guess money is important. Well, let's turn to Matthew 6.24. Matthew 6, verse 24. Matthew 6.24 says... No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Interesting verse, isn't it? Those of us who believe in God's word, and we who are here today must be here because we do believe in God's word, we believe that what God said in Psalm uh, 24, that the earth is his, is true. Nothing was made that he didn't make. We believe that. We also believe that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, as we're told in Psalms 50. God is a giver. He's generous. 
you have only to drive up from Hilo to this mount up and up in this mountain to realize how generous he is. So many beautiful things along the way to see. The fresh air, the beautiful stars, the sunshine, the sunshine, the moon, the leaves, the flowers, everything is speaks of God and it speaks of his being a giver. In fact, he loves us so much that he gave something very, very special to him, his son, Jesus. He spared nothing for our good. The book Stewardship says that the spirit of liberality, the spirit of liberality is the spirit of heaven. We believe that, don't we? Well, if we believe that, why are we sometimes a bit tight-fisted or penarious? When it comes to giving to him, he's given everything to us. He cannot, we cannot outgive him. You know, the story is told of the rich young ruler. You're familiar with that story. The rich young ruler was attracted to Jesus uh, uh, initially because he saw how Jesus treated the children and he treated them with such compassion. He was touched by that scene. And he was touched enough to maybe want to become a disciple and he went to Jesus and he said good master what should I do to inherit the eternal life he was sincere in that request the desire of ages says he considered himself righteous not defective is what the word says in that um, verse or in that passage he didn't feel he was defective in his spiritual life, yet he did feel that something was missing. Let's turn to the ninth chapter of Matthew. We will read the 17th verse. Matthew 9:17. Neither do men pour new wine in old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst and the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. That does not seem like the right verse. Oh, I'm sorry. It isn't the right verse. <laughs> Matthew 19, 17. All right, we'll try again. Matthew 19, 17. Why do you ask me about what is good? Here we are with the rich young ruler. He's gone to Jesus. What good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Well, I can just see the rich young ruler because you see he was a good kid. He was a good person. He'd always done those things. And, and so he can't wait to tell Jesus, oh, I've done that since I was just a child. And then Jesus looks at him and he says, but you lack one thing. And I can just imagine the rich young ruler saying to himself, hmm, I wonder what that could be. I've always done what I should have done. What could it possibly be? Jesus says one thing you lack. Verse 21 of chapter 19 says, Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. The desire of ages says that Jesus saw in this rich young ruler some qualities that he could use in his ministry. 
Knowing his heart, maybe he knew that he wouldn't choose to serve Jesus, but he could see things in this young man that would be advantageous to his ministry. Unfortunately, the rich young ruler had a self-indulgent heart, didn't he? He indulged himself, and he gave up the gift of Jesus. He chose the gifts of things and gave up the gift of Jesus. It all comes down to the same question that was asked by Joshua. Joshua 24, he says, Choose you this day who you will serve, God or man. But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a choice that you and I make every day, what we do with what we have. But I can tell you again, you cannot outgive Jesus. You cannot outgive him. Desire of Ages says, only those who will be co-workers with Christ, who will say to the Lord, all that I have and all that I am is thine, will be acknowledged as his sons and daughters. Was the problem with the rich young ruler that he was rich? Was that the, his problem? It really wasn't his problem, was it? Is it wrong to be rich? Is it wrong to have money? Wrong to be wealthy? No. In fact, in fact, in that book, Stewardship, Ellen White says that uh, wealth is a golden bond between God and man. If you hoard the wealth, then that becomes self-indulgence. But that golden bond, as he, if he's given you the um, wherewithal to make money, then go for it. There's so much you can do with that money to be of help to somebody else. So it's not wrong to be rich. It's only wrong to hoard it in your heart. We often hear the phrase, money is the root of all evil, but that's incorrect, isn't it? What is this phrase? The love of money. First uh, Timothy 6.10, the love of money is the root of all evil. Well, later on, when Jesus was with his disciples, he was debriefing this experience. Um, and he said to them, it's easier for the camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. That tells us something about where most rich people put their emphasis. It isn't on God. Most rich people, many rich people, I won't say most rich people, there have been many, many rich people who have been very generous with what they have. If it was their last penny or if it was meaning a real sacrifice for them, I don't know how willing they would be to give it. But nonetheless, there are people who are very generous with their money, people like Yozo Endo. Well, after Jesus had, oh, and by the way, I was thinking of, um, you've probably heard in, in the name Bernie Madoff in the news here in the last uh, year, uh, the man who used the money of so many other people. And I just read last week that his um, son committed suicide. Riches do not bring happiness, and I don't know what sort of thing made him take his life, but here was a person who had the ability to have anything he wanted in life at one time, and there was great unhappiness there, event evidently. 
Well, after Jesus debriefed this experience with his disciples, Peter, who was always one to blurt out what he wanted to say, he said, you know, Jesus, we've left everything for you. What will there be for us? Verse 27, Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Think back to what Jesus said to the rich young ruler. He said, give everything you have, sell, give to the poor. And he said something else, which is a key. He said, yours will be treasure in heaven. You're going to have treasure. It isn't like he doesn't want to give you nice things. Of course he does. Treasure of heaven, what more could we ask for? So the problem comes right down to our being cheerful or not. I know that a lot of divorce happens because of money. People don't agree on how to spend what they have. For one reason or another, it gets in the way of their marriage, and we see a lot of divorce because of it. I think about the story of Ananias and Sapphira. If you remember the story at Pentecost, uh, there were many people who were converted at that time, many people who decided to become a part of the work of the Lord. And they sacrificed to the place where they gave what they had so that others could have. They shared with one another. And you may remember that um, when that happened, some of the people suffered from their fam their families kind of walked away from them. So it was really necessary that they share uh, with one another. Desire of Ages tells us it was a difficult time for some of those people. So people were selling things, they were giving things, um, and Ananias and Sapphira spoke up and said they had a piece of land and that they would sell that piece of land and that they would give the profit to the Lord's work. Well, I don't know whose idea it was, but sometime after they went home, there was a change of heart somewhat. Well, do we really want to give all of this? We better save some back. So they did that. They saved some back. And um, when they went to meet again with the fellow believers, others were saying, I've given this and I've given that, and they could see that people were, were, were giving everything. So they got up and they said, we gave everything we got from this land. Was that true? It was not true, was it? What happened to Ananias? He died. That was quick justice. And not long after that, Sapphira came in, and she said the same thing, and she died right on the spot. You know, somehow Peter knew that Ananias had lied, and he reminded them that they could have pledged a portion of the money. They didn't have to say, we'll give everything. We, we could give some of it, but not everything. He, they could have said that, but he didn't say that, actually. He, he lied about it. He said, we gave everything that we got from it. The bigger picture here is that the church was growing by leaps and bounds at that time. They were looking forward. They were looking ahead. It was very important that they avoid any hypocrisy. They needed to be upfront, 
truthful, honest with one another. Ananias and Sapphira were not, and they suffered the consequences in a rather harsh way. How about you and I? Are we cheerful givers? I am a Scottish girl. My parents were born in Glasgow, and um, if you know anything about Scottish people, they're kind of known for being tight-fisted, holding on to every penny. And uh, my husband jokes. He says the Grand Canyon was formed when a Scotchen, Scotchman lost a penny down a gopher hole. <laughs> <laughs> so he's always teasing me because whenever we decide to give to a project, he's always thinking more than me. Sometimes I'll have him write it down, and I'll write it down thinking, I've got him this time, you know, we're going to be even. No, he always is thinking more than me. But I'm also a woman, you know. And woman they, women like to have a little a little bit set aside, a little nest egg. And, you know, every financial planner will tell you that that's a good idea to have a little money set aside for emergencies, you know. So um, I, I, by birth, am sort of tight-fisted with my money. But I can tell you one thing that changed my mind about that. And I've never in my life been tempted not to be faithful with my tithe since then. My husband and I were in the service. My husband was in the service. And we were stationed in Columbus, Georgia. And uh, we didn't get a lot of money. <coughs> he got, I got $91.30 a month. This is a long time ago. I'm old. <laughs> and he got $35 a month from the United States Army. And that was it. That's what we had to live on for a month. Well, we had a $20 bill uh, at the uh, end of the month. Well, it was actually in the middle of the month. And I gave it to my husband with a list to take to the commissary because you could buy things in the commissary a lot cheaper than you can buy them out in the town. So I gave him the money, and I gave him the list. And um, that evening, when he came back, he didn't have the food. And he didn't – he had a, a, a somber look on his face. And he said, I do not know what happened to that $20 bill. He said, I just don't know. He said, I put it in my pocket. I have searched everywhere. I've searched everything. I cannot find it. He said, either someone took it or I just lost it. He said, I don't know. And I looked at what we had in the closet to eat. I remember to this day we had a can of yams. Neither one of us liked yams. That's why the can was still there. We had a few things in the refrigerator, um, some ketchup and some, I don't know, mayonnaise and some butter. I don't know what it all, all was there, but nothing to be substantial about. There was not much in that, in that refrigerator. So I said to my husband, well, we have to have food. And he said, well, the Lord will, the Lord will provide what we need. So I said, well, we have the, at least we have the tithe money and I'll, I'll go over to the grocery store and get us some food. He said, no. I said, no. He said, no, that's God's money. We're, we're not going to use that money. I said, well, you know, God wants us to eat, and he doesn't want us to get go hungry. He'll understand. We can make it up later. No, he wouldn't, he wouldn't agree to it. So um, I very grudgingly put that money in the plate on Sabbath morning thinking, you know, this is ridiculous. God would, God would want us to use this money. I just did not see it the same way my husband saw that at all. Well, at lunchtime, we had an invitation 
to go to um, someone's house. And when we were there, we uh, took a walk in the afternoon. We had a really nice Sabbath day. And um, in the evening, it was getting kind of late. And the lady of the house said, look, why don't we just have Vespers together? And then we'll have popcorn and fruit for supper, good Adventist supper. So we had popcorn and fruit for Sabbath. And before we went home, she said, her husband was a mess sergeant in the Army. And she said, my husband has all of this bread that um, I wonder if you want to come back in the morning. We'll have French toast for breakfast. And so she invited everybody back in the morning for French toast for breakfast. Um, right there, I had meals taken care of. We were not hungry. We went back in the morning. We had French toast for breakfast. Well, that evening when we got home, uh, my landlady said, oh, I picked up my mail yesterday, and I forgot to give you. There was a, a letter in there for you. And uh, so I took the letter. It was from my mother. My mother was poor as a church mouse. She would never have any extra money. But for some reason, she sent us $10. Well, I can tell you folks that from that day forward, I have never, ever been tempted not to give God his money. God proved to me in a very special way that he will pour out the blessing to me, whether I'm, if I am faithful to him. So he asks us to give because he knows it's more blessed for us to give than to receive. He's promised to open the floodgates of heaven. As Malachi 3.10 says, he will pour out the blessing that you won't have enough room for it. Is that a blessing? Indeed it is. The spirit of giving has also come to me in another way. My husband and I were sponsors of a senior class of students who were at a self-supporting school in West Virginia. There were 15 of them. And many seniors choose to go to Disney World or someplace like that. These seniors didn't want to do that. One of them in particular, she said, why don't we do something like go on a mission trip? And the other kids just kind of laughed at her, you know. Um, well, that's not a real senior trip, but she was persistent. She said, well, you know, this was in 1990-something when Russia was just opening up. She said, I heard that you can build a church in Russia for X number of dollars. Let's go to Russia and build a church. Talk about vision. <laughs> I mean, this girl had big plans, and nobody in the class supported her to go to Russia. They said, we'd like to go to Russia, but there's no way we can do this. Well... She persisted, and she wrote to um, the general conference. She got some information on a place called Vladimir, and she um, found out what it would cost to build a church at that time, and she also did some research with the pastor from that church. And she brought all of this information to one of the class meetings, and the kids said, okay, we'll go for it. So they started writing letters, getting their fair together, and um, it all came in. We made the arrangements to go. When we got to Russia, we found that 
they were catching on to the uh, economical system and that there was inflation that had just skyrocketed. We couldn't build the church for the amount of money that they said that we could build the church. Nonetheless, we went ahead, bought what we could buy with the money that we took. Then the, the kids said, we're going to go back and we're going to ask for more money. So it, it was camp meeting time um, in West Virginia. They have a 10-day camp meeting. And... Um, they always, you know, camp meetings, they always have the money pretty well planned as to what they're going to ask for. And it was all planned for. But this class, they went to the president and they said, you know, we would like to ask, ask for a special offering for Russia. And they said, well, you know, we do have our, we have our plans all made and the offering is all set. Well, can't we please ask for um, a special offering for Russia? Because we've got this church started now, we'd like to finish it. And couldn't we please? I mean, they begged the, they begged the, the administration. And finally the administration said, okay, okay, we'll, we'll do it at the end of Sabbath school. You come give your pre presentation and we'll, we'll make room for it. So they did. And they came up with an idea. You know what masking tape is that you... You mask uh, the walls so that you're not going to paint in the wrong place. Well, they got rolls of masking tape, and they started on one end, and they rolled it out through the aisles, going back through the aisles until they got to the back of the auditorium. And in 20 minutes, they had raised $25,000. $25,000 for Russia. And uh, later on, they, some of those kids actually got money together and went for the opening of the church, which was done like two years later. But they had invested a lot of heart into that church. And the Lord provided where nobody would have thought he would have provided for that. So again, return to me, God says, and I will return to you. A true demonstration of sharing. We cannot outgive our Father God. So I, this morning, just encourage you. God doesn't need your money, by the way. He really doesn't need it. He has enough money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. What he asks is for a willing heart. He asks for willingness to do his will. And I'm just asking for you as you think about what to do with your assets. Think about God. Think about the treasure in heaven. Not the treasure of things. The treasure of being at his feet. Worshiping at his feet. And as I sing this song, I ask that your heart will be full to work for your Lord until he comes. That day is coming very soon, folks. I believe it's coming very soon.